over the last few weeks have been um, talking about prayer. Uh, we've been in a series on the spiritual disciplines and using them in our lives to help us live out the life that God has always had in mind for us. Um, God did not send his son to this earth so that you and I could just have forgiveness of our sins and go to heaven when we die. He came to this earth so that we could have access to the Father, so that the kingdom of God could invade our lives right now, so that even when we walk through valleys of weeping, we can make it a place of refreshing. Not just a place of refreshing for me, but a place of refreshing for someone else. I don't know how many times I have seen someone who has walked through some sort of difficulty or tragedy able to minister to someone else who's walking through the exact same difficulty or tragedy and how God ironically just happens to bring them together at the time they need it most. That's the God we serve. He's working his ways into our lives. And a lot of times, especially as American Christians, we get hung up on the things in our lives that are not going the way we expected. We think serving Jesus means everything goes correctly or right or according to what I want or plan or hope. And that's just not always the way that it works. But even in the, the midst of all of that, we've talked about being able to practice celebration. We don't have to just wait for everything to be perfect in our lives to celebrate the goodness of God. Uh, I love the song that we sang today. I, I'm just going to choose to sing with joy in the midst of my sorrow. Like that's my choice. And that's a weapon, by the way. When we think of spiritual weapons, we're going to talk a little bit about that in prayer today. Um, you know, we think of prayer and we think of worship. But whenever you are discouraged and you liter literally just say, I'm not going to let this win and I'm discouraged, but I'm going to choose to just worship God. And you lift your hands or you start singing, whether you're in the car, drive, well, if you're in your car, pull over before you lift your hands. But um, when you declare the praises of God in the midst of sorrow, that is a weapon. That is a powerful weapon that breaks things in heavenly places and allows God's kingdom to invade your life. It's an invitation for God's kingdom to invade your life. So we talked about celebration. We talked about the practice of slowing. And then we've been in the practice of prayer through the month of January, and we've been using the prayer guides. They're still available if you have not picked one up yet. It's never too late. Um, those are prayer journals that you can use to pray over certain topics for um, the, the day and allow the Holy Spirit maybe to share some things with you and some place for you to journal some thoughts there. Um, I think you can use them again when February starts over. It's just ironic that there's 28 days in February. It's a 28-day prayer journal. I don't know. Um, feel free to use it often and to just continue to develop uh, your prayer life. As we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, all of us should be growing in the area of prayer. Um, we never get to the place where we, we've got prayer figured out and there's nothing more I need to learn. We always have things to learn. And so when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, that should be our statement every day. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. And that prayer is individual, that prayer is corporate. And we looked at the version of the prayer that is that Matthew includes in his gospel. And we'll read it again uh, to just get started today to maybe refresh our minds. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we've spent the last two weeks talking about that section of the prayer. And so if you want to go back over the last two weeks, excuse me, on our podcast or on our live stream, you can pick up the stuff that I, I shared over those two weeks. But we're going we're gonna to do the rest of the prayer, and we're going to focus on that today. So verse 11, give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And some of your translations may footnote that por portion of the prayer and say that it's not included in all of the um, manuscripts that we have. And so there's debate in the scholarly world whether or not that's a part of the prayer that Jesus taught or not. Um, you know, whenever I see phrases like that that maybe are not a part of the manuscript, if they fit the rest of Scripture, I don't care. I mean, 
It doesn't matter to me whether that was in the first manuscript. And I don't know if you understand manuscripts, but if you actually Googled like the manuscripts that we have, we have bits and pieces of books of the Bible. We don't really have lots. Like we don't have a, a Bible like this that was written down on a scroll somewhere. We have bits and pieces that have been found over the years. Um, and it's total, it is accurate. It's been proven accurate archaeologically. Um, but sometimes we get hung up on that little footnote that says, well, it's not in the earliest manuscripts, so that must mean that it, well, we don't have full portions of the earliest manuscripts either, so it could be. And so, if it fits the rest of Scripture, you can use it. That's how I look at it. I know that some scholars will disagree with me, but yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So for that reason, I included it in our prayer here. And so as we've talked about prayer Maybe there's a lot you've learned about prayer over the years, and hopefully there's a, a few things you've learned over the last couple of weeks about prayer. We talked about prayer being an activity. It's something that we do. It's an invitation into God's story. It's partnership with Him. It's asking God to do things, and it's acting according to what we've prayed. It's declaring for God's kingdom to become and His will to be done. When Jesus um, finished His work on the cross, and He said, "'It is accomplished,' It's almost like there was a warrant issued for the kingdom of darkness. Um, and Jesus signed it in blood and said it is accomplished. And that warrant now has been put in the hands of his people saying, here you go, everywhere you go, exercise this warrant, this authority, and tell darkness it has to go because of what Christ has done. And so we are literally declaring for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you're like, well, do I only have to do it once? Why, why do we have to pray like several times? I mean, even Jesus seemed to teach that you shouldn't repeat your prayers. You shouldn't babble on. I don't think Jesus taught us not to repeat prayers. I think he taught us not to babble mindlessly. There's a difference. Because the persistent widow that Jesus taught about in Luke chapter 18 kept coming back day after day repeating the same request. And Jesus said, if you do that, your father's going to hear you. You repeat over and over again what you know to be true. Prayer is also communication. It's where our hearts become more like His. And we don't always know this is happening. Sometimes you could walk into a prayer time and it can be dry and it can be hard and you can be like, I don't even think God is listening. And something could be happening deep within your heart that you have no idea is even happening and will maybe months and years later begin to, to show itself into fruition because of the prayers you prayed years before. And so do not get hung up on whether you feel something or don't feel something, whether it's emotional or not emotional, whether you feel like doing it or not doing it, pray. Pray when you feel like it, pray when you don't. Pray when it's easy, pray when it's hard, pray. Bring your requests before God. Because prayer is not just an, um, it's not just an activity, it's a way of life. Every day of our lives is really just open communication with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, talking to Him, listening to Him, declaring His will to be done, speaking to yourself. David did it in the Old Testament before the Holy Spirit even indwelled people. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Forget not all of His benefits. I mean, because why? Because we forget all of His benefits. He forgives all of our sins. I mean, David must have been feeling some condemnation, some difficulty. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I mean, you sometimes have to tell yourself what to do. Because sometimes you just don't feel like doing it. But prayer is absolutely vital for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would have never taught us to pray this if it wasn't necessary. He's not into just filling time and space. Hey, hey I think every once, every once a week we should have them come together and sing some songs to me and, uh, you know, just, you know, get together. That would be good to do. No, in fact, the scripture tells us we should get together more often, especially as we see the day drawing near. That doesn't mean we have to gather for worship services, but that means we should call other believers or get together with other believers for encouragement, for strengthening, for prayer. This should happen more and more. This should be a part of who we are because God has always chosen to work through man. That's how he's done it. Jesus came to earth as a man, and he finished his work, and then he gave his authority, he gave his commission to us to finish the work that he started. 
As the Father sent me, so I send you. This is what Jesus taught. And there are 175 verses in the Gospels where Jesus is either praying or Jesus is teaching about prayer. I would think if the Son of God become human felt prayer was that important, you and I should think that as well. And the reason is there is a a battle that's going on every single day in the heavenly places. And our prayers are what bring that victory into what the realm that we can see. We can't see the heavenly places. We don't see the, the spirits and the principalities and the powers that are at work. But the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 talks about them. He talks about this armor of God that you and I should put on. It's not a physical armor, but it's a spiritual armor. It's the helmet of salvation. You have to have this identity in Christ Jesus covering your heart your head, your heart, your, your mind, your thought processes every day of your life. And he goes through all of the armor. We're not going to talk about the pieces of the armor, but in the middle of this, in verse 12, Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. We have got to get this through our heads. Our battle is not against people. People are not our enemy. People are who we're trying to win. They are the captives that we're trying to bring back into the kingdom of God. They have been taken captive. So I know they feel like our enemies at times, but we cannot treat them like enemies because they're not our enemies. They are taken captive by these powers, the principalities. We try to reason with people. We try to argue with people. If you haven't prayed for that person to have their mind released, you probably are not going to win them with your clever-sounding argument. We have to be a people that pray so that we win the battle in heavenly places so that we can harvest in the physical realm. Our struggle is against rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Once once all of the armor then is on our lives, he goes on to say this in verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know what that means? That means your way of praying is not the only way to pray. Because there's all kinds of prayers. And you and I can both become more effective in our praying. Sometimes we get so easily offended when someone maybe makes a claim that maybe you don't pray effectively or I don't pray effectively or we could learn to pray more effectively is probably a better way to say it. Once someone says you could learn to pray more effectively, are you saying I don't know how to pray? Are you saying I don't know how to pray more effectively? Are you saying my prayers aren't effective? Why do we get so testy and touchy? about it. Yes, every single one of us could learn to pray more effectively. Every one of us. And I want to learn to pray more effectively because there are people in my life that I want to see set free. There are things that should be taking place in the physical realm that I'm not seeing. And it's not about me working harder or learning a more clever speech. It's about prayer. The generations before us understood this. And what happens, if you look at the scripture, if you look at the Old Testament, you'll see it in the, 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 the generations that would rise up. They would know God, and then the next generation wouldn't, and then the next gen- and eventually a, an entire generation wouldn't know God at all. We have a generation before us that knew what it was to pray and intercede, and they won victories in heavenly places that we get the benefit of. We get church buildings, we get worship services, we get freedoms in this nation. And now that we're on the cusp of losing some of those things, we try to use political means to gain them back and not the weapons that we were using in the past. And we wonder why, we, why it's not working. And then we just say, well, you know, in the last days it's just going to get worse and worse. It's going to get worse and worse because the people will not know God, us. We are people that are prayerless. And we have to get back to the place where we pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me. 
whenever I speak, that words would be given so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray, 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 pray. He repeats it over and over and over and over again. And you've probably heard lots of sermons on prayer. You may have read a book or two on prayer. But the question is, are we praying? Has prayer taken a bigger place in our lives? Or are we just expecting, well, all we have to do is memorize a couple scriptures, maybe quote a couple things here and there. But prayer, well, it's always a last resort. I've only pastored for about 23 years. But I will tell you, in 23 years, the least attended thing is a prayer service. And it doesn't matter when we have it. We can have it on a Sunday morning. We can have it on a Sunday night. We can have it on a Monday night. We can have it on a Saturday. We can have it on a Friday. We have moved it around all over the place, and it's never going to be convenient because we just don't really believe prayer matters. And until this generation once again realizes that we have got to do battle in heavenly places, if we are ever going to see the fruit manifest on earth as it is in heaven, we will continue to spin our wheels and thankfully God will still be faithful to us and some good things will happen and a few people will get saved and maybe even a couple miracles. But if you want to see heaven come to earth, it's only going to come when, when God's people pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, though we live in the world, we do not wage the war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Are you, are you seeing this? I know when we think of weapons of the world, we're not even talking about like guns and knives and, and real weapons, but we're talking about like clever speeches or um, political methods, like those are weapons of this world to try to get something accomplished. But if you begin to pray, and you begin to fast, and you begin to worship, and you begin to declare God's kingdom over your family, over your workplace, over this city, you will begin to see things broken so that you are able to act and reap a harvest. Say, well, Pastor Tom, are we just supposed to pray? No, but we can't act until we pray. Because otherwise, we're wasting our efforts. We have to do both. We can't just sit in a room somewhere and pray. But if we don't pray first, we will not be able to reap the harvest. And I know that some of you are like, well, I already see some people get saved. Yeah, we will always see the benefits of the kingdom. Anytime you try to apply it in real life, you're going to see it in, in small ways. But if you want to see it in great ways, if you want to see it in book of Acts type of ways, we have to be a people who pray. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It doesn't say we offer a better argument. How do we demolish the arguments people use for not knowing God? Not with better arguments. Not with Facebook posts. We do it through prayer. We demolish the argument so that when the gospel is shared, the heart is open and can be received. The Bible talks about people of, of peace. When you go into a city, you'll find this person of peace. In other words, you'll, you'll start saying why you're there. And if everybody in that city is like, we don't want your message. The Bible says just brush the, feet off, brush the dirt off of your feet and move on. There's not a person of peace there. But if you walk into a city and you declare why you're there and someone comes around you and says, oh, what you're saying, man, it lights up on the inside of me. That's a person of peace. And so you latch on to them. You don't have to judge the people. We don't have to call down fire on the Samaritans who didn't want Jesus. Remember Jesus rebuked two of his disciples for that? You just move on. I mean, you don't move on in a way and say, I forget them, but you have to, there has to be a battle in the heavenly places because there's no one receiving the message. I have seen this happen in my own life. I remember one year we were at a middle school camp, and the Monday night service was just absolutely terrible. If you've ever been in a room of middle schoolers, some days it's just terrible because the tension span is not so good, and it just, they're, they're up and down, they're in the bathroom, they're all over the place. And I, I remember our district youth director at the time, Mark Ensminger, in our staff meeting that morning, he said, I was so frustrated by the service last night. And I was so frustrated that I'm like, man, these kids, they won't sit still. They won't, like, what, the leaders need to, like, get better control. We need to go to the bathroom for a And he said, I was thinking of all these things I needed to talk about today. And the Lord convicted me and said, you need to pray. 
And so our staff meeting that morning became a prayer meeting. Because it wasn't a bladder issue, it was a spiritual issue. And we begin to pray for the hearts of those middle schoolers to be open. And I promise you, Tuesday night service was dramatically different. And I'm thankful for a leader that would call us to pray. Not just say, hey guys, now we got to remember to take everyone to the bathroom before service. Yes, you need to remember to take everyone to the bathroom before service. But we also need to wrestle in prayer if they're ever going to hear the message that's declared. We have to pray. I am grateful for the older saints in my life that prayed for me. I guarantee you, I would not be where I am today without a mom who prayed for me regularly. I've made a lot of bad choices in my life. And I could have easily gone off the deep end. I mean, I went close to the deep end a lot. But thankfully, not only her, but other ladies in the church. And I don't know why it's always women. Men, it needs to not be just the women. And thank God for Marv, who I don't think we have a prayer meeting that he doesn't attend. But he is always there because he believes in the power of prayer. I'm thankful for men who know the power of prayer and will pray. I had the privilege for the last two years of his life to pray regularly with, with Representative Bob Glanzer. And we didn't know each other well. We spent mornings uh, praying to, for the school, for, for James Valley, for our community, for the Huron School District, for the state. And we got to know each other a little bit. But um, I'll never forget, Penny told me the day, the day of his funeral, she said, he loved you. He said, there's something about him that I love. And when you pray with someone, you connect with them in a way that you just can't connect in other ways. And I loved hearing him, his passion for, for the Our Home kids that they worked with, for the, for the students that he would work with, for the, the, the legislation and all of the things he was wrestling with in peer and looking for God's wisdom and grace. And I loved hearing him pray. We wrestle in heavenly places so that we can see a harvest on the earth. We have to be a people that pray. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Not just pray conveniently, devote yourselves to it. I believe the last few years of the church, of, the, of what we've seen in America, have exposed the prayerlessness of the church. We were not ready for this hour. We still aren't ready for this hour because we are, are fighting, we're yelling, we're complaining, we're spending so much energy talking about whether or not this is right or that's right or why I have to do this or why this is being done, and yet prayer meetings are still poorly attended. Isn't it interesting? I mean, we're frustrated, we're fed up, and we're praying, oh, Jesus, just come back and take us home. And we've missed his mission on the earth. And I listened this week, because the, the prayer that Jesus taught, the bookends of this prayer are kingdom prayer. I mean, after the whole Our Father in Heaven identity, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's your kingdom, it's your power, it's your glory forever. It's the bookends of this prayer. It's all about the kingdom. And here's the thing. Relax. Relax. Because there is nothing anyone on this earth can do. God's kingdom is coming. It's coming. And we need to live like it. We need to respond like it, and we need to pray like it. It is here, and it is coming. And I listened this week to a sermon by a guy by the name of Corey Russell, and I loved this quote This in the middle of this sermon. I just love this quote. I put it on my Facebook page, and all week long, I'm like, oh, yeah. This is what I need. This is what I need. And this is what he said. Listen, the church needs to see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. I'm convinced the church isn't seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father. We've gotten caught in second heaven conversations. Over the last two years, the church has gotten exposed. Our affections, alliances, and what we are caught up in. We've gotten caught up in second heaven's traffic, and God is calling us back to the throne. He's calling us to lift our eyes, to shut off the news media and all the volume of the counsel of the ungodly that has disconnected us from the heart of God. We need a vision of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. It's done. And yes, we need to pray, and yes, we need to work, but it doesn't, it doesn't rely on me at all. He's already accomplished it. 
And so when it doesn't work out the way I hoped or intended, I have to see, I have to have a vision of him seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not up in heaven, wringing his hands, wonder, pacing back and forth. What do I do? Oh, I didn't see this coming. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And I love that he talks about the one time Jesus is seen standing at the right hand of the Father in the Scripture. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 55, where Stephen is about to be stoned. And it says that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, you know what makes Jesus stand when his people are willing to lay down their lives for someone? And Jesus stood to receive him. That's what makes Jesus stand. When his people catch the vision of heaven and are not throwing the stones back. In fact, Stephen, when he, his last words on earth were, Father, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. As they were stoning him. I don't know about you, but I mean, I've had some maybe verbal stones thrown at me. But I have yet to have someone hurl stones at me until I die. And if we can't even handle what's happening now, if you can't run with, with men, how are you going to run with horses? That's the prophet Jeremiah. It's going to take the people of God getting back into the place of prayer where we see Jesus. And it's not just having a time of prayer. It's living in prayer. Where every moment of every day I see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father and it changes everything for me. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. After Jesus provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Colossians 3.1. Since you've been raised with Christ Jesus, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand excuse me, of God in heaven. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the next chapter, he says, you are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly realms. It's done. It's finished. And I know, maybe your 80, 90, 100 years on earth is going to be hard. Maybe it's going to be full of hardship. But here's what I know. The blood of martyrs speaks. It's a weapon. It's powerful. Why do men like Jim Elliott, who was a missionary in South America, who was killed, going to try to reach an unreached people group, and they murdered him. Why does that happen? I don't know why it happens, but here's what I know. The blood of Jim Elliot was a powerful weapon that God used because it broke things in the heavenly realms because there was a man that was willing to shed his blood. And now there is a church established in that country by the wife of Jim Elliot because this man was not afraid to shed his blood. I promise you, Jim Elliot didn't do it without spending time in prayer and seeing Jesus at the right hand of the Father. You can't live that way without it. Life in the kingdom. So the prayer. We, we've got to get to the prayer because we want to take some time to pray. We're going to go quick through it. Give us today our daily bread. Yes, this is about us asking God for what we need. The scripture is very clear. Ask your father for what you need. If you have a need, if you're worried about something, don't, be, don't, don't let the enemy tell you, oh, you're not supposed to worry. You're not supposed to feel guilty. Bring it to the Lord. Every time you're anxious, every time you're afraid, every time you're worried, pray. Pray. God, I, I'm still anxious about this. I'm bringing it to you. Help me to leave it at your feet. But this idea of daily bread is not just about bringing my requests to God. It's about trusting that he's answering. It's about trusting that I have enough. It goes back to the wilderness where the people of God in the wilderness were supposed to, to gather manna every single day and trust God for it. Don't gather more than you need for today. Trust me. Trust that I'm going to provide it tomorrow. Trust me. You have to learn to trust me because man does not live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We do not live by a diagnosis. We do not live by anything physical on the earth that we need. We live by God's word. We live by him. So we have to be a people that pray and ask God for what we need. But we also have to be a people who are content that God is answering. In Philippians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever my circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And we have pulled Philippians 4.13 out of context and used it to just mean we can accomplish anything because God's with us. No, we can live in the kingdom even in lack because God is with us is what Paul is saying. And we have lived with such excess in this nation for so long that when even little things get taken from us, we freak out. We do not know what it is to live by the word of God. We need everything that goes with it too. And God is calling us back to the throne. Here's the thing, God's not angry with America. He's not angry with you. He's not angry with me. He's not angry. He's calling us back. He may be a little frustrated, but he's definitely not angry. (laughs) He's calling us back. He's watching us spin our wheels, and yet he's still faithful to us. He's like, I'm not going to abandon you. I am not going to give up on you. You've got to come back to me. You've got to put your trust in me. Think about who was the richest man who ever lived. Who was the richest man who ever lived? Well, Jesus, of course. Jesus was the richest man who ever lived. And listen to 2 Corinthians 8. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I mean, I know that we love the quote that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, and I believe that. I believe that promise. I believe God does bless his children so they can bless others, but sometimes God uses poverty to bless others. And he didn't make Jesus poor so that we could become rich, so we could just stay rich. When we choose poverty, we can handle riches. Most of us won't choose poverty. We won't lay anything down. We won't give more than we're asked. We won't serve. When we go to work, if it's not in our job description, my boss doesn't have the right to ask me that. Well, that might be okay for kingdom or for your work ethic, but that's not kingdom work ethic. Because my boss can ask anything of me as long as it doesn't violate the word of God and I'll do it. That's kingdom work ethic. I know, that's, I don't know if I like that. We should just move right on. And then there's the comparison. We get so hung up on, well, God did this for them. Why did, why did that person get healed? Or why did that person get a promotion? And why didn't this person? And Jesus answers that question because he told Peter what Peter's life was going to be like. And Peter's like, what about John? And Jesus is like, don't worry about John. Here's the thing. When I bless John, I want you to celebrate with John, but you worry about Peter. And if the life I've called you to is hardship, you just just trust me. You trust that I know how to work in both of your lives at the same time, even though it doesn't look the same. And we like to have all the answers. We like to know why this request got answered and this one didn't, and, oh, this person had more faith, or this person didn't, or this one. Man, just trust Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then he says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Our sin. Every single day. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I sin every day. I'm sure. I don't always know where it is. But I'm, I'm sure I have done something in a day that was selfish that was rude, that maybe hurt someone's feelings, that I was totally unaware of. I'm sure at some point of every day, I sin. I don't try. I mean, I actually try not to, but I do. And so when I confess my sins, I confess the things I'm aware of, but I confess the fact that there are things that I'm doing that I'm not even aware of, and I need the Holy Spirit to open my heart to become aware of them. And the thing I love about the Holy Spirit is He's not going to make me aware of everything at once. This is why we have to be careful when we want to point out the sin in a brother's life. We have to make sure that we're being led by the Spirit because God cleans us up at different levels, if you've ever noticed. Like, He doesn't try to clean up everything in your life all at once because you couldn't do it. You would be overwhelmed and you would quit. So He takes takes us on this journey and every day because my salvation isn't in my perfection. My My salvation is in Christ. I'm not saying that there's a known sin that I'm aware of that I'm actually making an excuse for and continuing to participate in. But I'm saying when we look at other people's lives and we're like, how can they do that? How can they participate in that? 
Well, maybe they're unaware yet. And when we learn to walk with each other as advocates of each other, we're actually going to help each other be more aware of where we're sinning. And so we confess our sin. God, forgive us our debts. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just purify us from the sin that we confess, but from all unrighteousness. That's powerful stuff. Psalm 139, Search me, O God. Know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to become introspective. I don't like to sit and try to find all of the problems and flaws and faults in my life because that's a dark spiral. But I do pray and say, Holy Spirit, if there's something in my life that needs exposed, expose it. And sometimes it comes in prayer. Sometimes I hear him and he's like right here. Okay, if you're, since you're asking, let me show you this thing. Boom, right here. Oh. And so I wish I would say every time he does that, I'm like, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, I'm going to work on that. Sometimes I pretend not to hear because I don't like it. And I, I even sometimes am like, well, what about, what about that person? They do that thing. Mm. That comparison thing just comes right in there, doesn't it? It's like, you asked, I told you. You want to be more like me? Here's it, here it is. Sometimes he uses other people. I pray, oh, God, show me some things. And, you know, I've often found he doesn't use the people that I like. He doesn't even always use nice people. Sometimes he uses mean, hard people. Sometimes he even uses unbelievers. Can you believe that? And they'll say something to me, and instantly I know. I mean, I know it's God, but they didn't say it just right. So then you can be like, well, you know, I don't know who they think they are even though you know it's God saying, hey, clean that up in your life. So forgive our debts. We have to pray that often, always, and it's okay. Like, don't get hung up on the fact that, you know, you have to ask forgiveness for sin that you're unaware of or that I said you had sin in your life that you're unaware of. Sorry if that ruined what you were thinking of yourself, but we do. But not only do we ask for forgiveness, but we say, God, we're going to forgive as you've forgiven us. And this is one in the church that we really struggle with because we don't let go of stuff. We hold on to hurts from the past. I mean, we, we say we do. Oh, yeah, I put that behind me. Your actions would say otherwise. The fact that you can't even have a conversation with that person or you run when you see them in the store shows that there's some, you haven't dealt with that. And if we would take this verse here, I mean, we like to take all the verses in Scripture literally, except the one that says, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, I won't forgive you. And here's the thing. Forgiveness doesn't mean I automatically have to jump back into a trusting relationship with that person. It means that I'm going to choose to start blessing that person. It means I'm no longer going to tell other people what that person did to me. It means that I'm going to work on my attitude towards that person. But I'm choosing in this moment to release them in the name of the Lord to say, God, I release them from that. I'm not holding it against them. I forgive them. I, I, I want you to bless them. I want you to do good things in their lives. I want you not to hold it against them. That's the act of forgiveness. And yeah, there's a whole lot of emotional baggage that has to get worked out. There's no doubt of that. But the choice to forgive is a choice to forgive, to declare it done, and then to walk it out. I meet so many Christians in our world today that say, well, yeah, I'm working on forgiving them. And then they spout off all that that person did. And it's like, eh, you're not working hard. You choose to forgive. And then you stop spouting. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Jesus told the parable in Matthew chapter 18 about the servant that was forgiven a million dollar debt and then went out and found a servant that owed him 10 grand. And at the end of that, verse 35 of Matthew 18, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who've sinned against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is where we're asking God for guidance. Every day of our lives, all the time, God, guide me. And then we're listening for Him to guide us. A lot of times we pray God guide us or help us, and we think that God is going to take us on the easiest, most beneficial path for us. In in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 16, I don't have this verse on the screen, but if you remember when Jesus was telling His disciples that part of God's plan for His life was the cross, and Peter, right after His greatest moment Peter had just declared that Jesus was the Christ the son of the living God and he's like blessed are you Simon because God has revealed this to you wow great job Peter gold star and then he's like by the way guys we're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified it's okay and Peter feeling pretty good about himself takes Jesus aside and he rebukes him stop saying this no one's going to kill you And Jesus looks at him with all the love in the world and says, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. Sometimes the things of God include a path that's hard, that maybe causes me to lay down my life. But here's the thing. If I lay down my life, if I let someone, quote unquote, take advantage of me in a way that I would want to fight for my rights, and it actually leads to their salvation, is it worth it? I mean, what am I clinging to right now that I refuse to give up or refuse to lay down? Is it worth people staying in bondage over? That's a great question to ask. I'm in no way telling us that we should treat uh, uh, or we should let people abuse us or take advantage of us. If you're in an abusive relationship, I have watched over the the history of the church and it's very anti-kingdom. I have watched men twist the scriptures and allow their their spouse, their wife, to stay in an abusive relationship and use the Bible to do it. That is in no way what Jesus was teaching. And if someone is abusing you physically or sexually or spiritually and forcing you to do things against your will that you're uncomfortable with, that's not okay. And we actually have laws in our country that protect people from that. And there is nothing wrong with taking that avenue. You want to protect your heart, and you want to see justice done. You don't want to see them destroyed, and you don't want to see them burn in hell. That's where forgiveness comes in. But this idea that we, we, we allow people to, to abuse us is so far from kingdom theology. And it's been used in the church's kingdom theology. But we're asking God, lead us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In Mark chapter 8, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Church, I know that in America we believe in life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's not biblical. Life is. Liberty is. But nowhere did God say the pursuit of happiness is why I brought you into the kingdom. Joy is greater than happiness. And there will come a day where everything gets set right. And I don't understand why people like Jim Elliott have to give their lives for the the advance of the gospel and how other people that sometimes I even think maybe are charlatans get to live in, in wealth and peace and prosperity. But here's what I know. In the end, God knows what he's doing. And God will make sure that everyone gets what they deserve. And I promise you that Jim Elliott will receive far more than he lost. And people that maybe have the the high life here, but haven't surrendered their lives to the kingdom, I promise you everything they're building will get burned up on the day of judgment. If it's not kingdom. There's a a passage in the, the book of Hebrews Again, it's not on the screen, but it says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only what is eternal will remain. We ought to welcome that in our lives. The the day in which we live right now is primed for a move of God. There has been no other time in the history of my life and probably any of in this room since maybe the Great Depression of the 30s and 40s. 
Like, since that time, the world has not been so primed for a move of God. But the church, we're caught up in so much other stuff. And one of the things is we don't know how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Not if you pray, when you pray. So here's what I want us to do over these next few moments. We have about seven or eight minutes. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. And so I want you right where you are, however you're comfortable, if you want to kneel, if you want to just bow your head, if you want to get up and stand, if you want to walk, if you're going to fight falling asleep for the next few moments, then I want us to pray. And we're going to pray these phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to pray one of those phrases, and then I'm going to wait. And I'm going to allow you to talk to the Lord and just allow Him to speak whatever He wants to speak over your life as we pray this concluding prayer together today. And so let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, right now, all over this room, I pray for identity to fill the hearts of every man and every woman in this room. For those that are watching online, God, that for those that feel abandoned, who need Abba right now, who need Father, who need Daddy, who are overwhelmed, who are burdened, who even maybe the words I spoke today, God, if, if it put too much burden on your people, Holy Spirit, come today as Father and just lift that burden off of them right now. Daddy, just receive right now identity from your Father. He's not angry. Just like our earthly fathers, long to be with us, long to give gifts to us. That's what our Father wants. Father, we need to hear you speak our name. Write your name on our hearts right now. Father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, help us to yield. Not our will done, your will done. Help us to surrender every area of our lives. If there is anything that we're holding on to that needs to be let go of, bring us to a place where we want to see your kingdom break out in our lives more than anything else. Where we seek your kingdom first. not just scriptures that we quote but it's the reality of how we live our lives that we live open handed that we don't withhold from those that we could give to because we don't think they deserve it but God that we live generous lives because it's your kingdom 
imprint the values of your kingdom on our hearts right now. God, we want your kingdom to come in our city. We want your kingdom to come in our homes. We want your kingdom to come in our schools. And we'll let you put us wherever you need to put us. We'll rejoice with those that are blessed. And God, we will mourn with those who walk through difficulties. And we will choose to walk that path with joy, declaring your praises because we trust you, because you're our Father. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And I want you to just take a moment. If you have a need, just lift it to the Lord right now. In fact, if you've got a need, it's a physical need for healing. Maybe it's an emotional need, financial need, spiritual need, relational need. Whatever it is, you've got a need. You say, I just, I need to bring this to God. Maybe you've got more than one. I want you to lift your hand and say, I've got, here's my need. And I want you to vocalize it. Whatever it is you need from the Lord right now, just, you can whisper it to Him, but just vocalize it to Him. If you need healing, maybe you need six healings. All six of them. Anything you take medication for, you got high blood pressure, you got thyroid issues, systems in your body that are not functioning properly. I mean, He tells us to bring these things. It is by His wounds we are healed. And so, Father, every need that's represented in this room right now, You are the supply for. God, I'm so grateful for, for science and for medicine and for surgeons and for all that happens. But God, we know that ultimately even they work as Your servants. God, that You are the healer, ultimately. You are the one that guides. You are the one that helps. You are the one that meets every need that we have. So, Father, I pray for physical healing today in bodies all over this room, for people watching online. God, for things that are wrong in our bodies to be set right, for, for joints and for bones that are out of alignment, for ligaments and for tendons, God, that need to be restored, that have worn out for cartilage. God, that has been totally dissolved and needs to be rebuilt. God, you are able to just put new cartilage into joints right now. God, you're able to bring physical healing to our lives. And so we ask, God, we ask because there's no limit to what you can do. And we ask because it's something that worries us. It's something that troubles us. God, it's something that concerns us. It's something that hurts us. And so as your children, we ask. God, for your touch in our lives. God, for those that are struggling financially. God, that maybe have lost work or unable to get the hours they need. God, provide. Provide for them. Provide for them. God, give us our daily bread, the things that we need today. And Holy Spirit, give us hearts that are content, that trust, that never stop asking for the miraculous in our lives, but God, that we don't hinge our faith on, on you coming through in the way that we expect that you should come through. God, we're going to be like that persistent widow and we're going to keep asking for justice because it's what you've declared in your word, but yet we're going to trust you and we're going to praise you. God, we're going to praise you on days when everything hurts. We're going to praise you on days when emotionally we don't have the strength to do it. We're going to force ourselves to offer praise no matter what it feels like or sounds like. We're going to declare that you're good in the midst of all of it. And so God, meet each and every need today. Give us our daily bread.
Father, we ask you to forgive our sin. If you're in this room or if you're watching online today and you're not in relationship with God, you've never done this. You've never admitted that you've sinned, that you've broken God's law. You've never put faith. The Bible says if you admit you've sinned, you believe that Jesus died as a substitute for your sin, and then you confess him as Lord or you surrender your life to him, you find salvation. It's as easy as that. That's how we begin this relationship with his father. And so I just encourage you right now, if there are known sins in your life that you need to confess, confess them. I mean, if you've been grumpy this week at people, if you've bit people's heads off, if maybe that's your personality and you've, you've made excuses for it. In the words of Bob Newhart, stop it. Just confess it. Don't excuse it. Don't sit there and wallow in guilt over it. Just confess it. Bring every sin that you've committed to the Lord. And God, I know there are sins in our lives that we're totally unaware of. And we trust the process that you're working in our lives. God, we're aware that there are things in our hearts. There are wrong attitudes. There's wrong perspectives. There's things that need to be shifted. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to not only forgive the sins we're aware of, but we want you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to cooperate with you in that. And we trust that you're working in others that have sinned against us. And so, God, we release right now those who have wronged us, those who have hurt us. And again, if there's someone in your life that you need to release right now, I want you to just whisper that name out. I forgive them. I bless them. God, I want you to bless them. God, help us not to hold on to bitterness in any area of our lives. Forgive us for just assuming that people hurt us because they were aware of it. God, help us to be merciful the way that you're merciful. Help us to give others the benefit of the doubt the way that you have done for us. God, break strongholds off of people's lives right now. For those that have held on to wounds for for years, God, break those chains right now. Give them grace to release, to release. To release. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We want your guidance. We need your guidance. Holy Spirit, at work, we need your guidance. At home, we need your guidance. As parents, we need your guidance. As friends, as co-workers, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we need your guidance. God, we don't have all the right answers. We need each other, and Holy Spirit, we need you to help us to know when to be silent and to know when to speak. And forgive us for the times that we've spoken when we should have been silent when we should have just grieved with others instead of offering answers. And give us ears to hear what you're saying. Guide us. Because it's your kingdom and it's your power and it's your glory forever. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us today to see you right now seated at the right hand of the Father. And not just in this moment, but God, throughout this week, I I pray... Holy Spirit, give us a vision of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. In little areas of our lives, when when things inconvenience us or cause us to, to become irritated, help us to see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. God, when our, our coworkers or when our boss or when, when things happen in our nation that we don't agree with or that make us afraid or even make us angry, God, help us to see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father so we know that your kingdom is coming. God, that there's nothing that can separate us from your love, that there's nothing that can thwart the plans that you have for our lives. And so help us to follow your guidance, to follow the ways of your kingdom. And so give us grace to see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father and to declare it's your kingdom and it's your power and it's your glory forever. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for staying in a little bit late with me and praying. 
Um, I hope you've learned a few things about prayer. I know that we haven't covered everything there is to know about prayer. And uh, tonight, 5 o'clock, House of Prayer downtown. No judgment if you're not there. No guilt. Um, but we encourage you to come and uh, be a part of that service. And uh, I would encourage you to continue to use the journal that we have, the prayer guide for this week, and to continue to journal things the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and to use it again. Don't wait for the end of the month and then just put it aside, but keep using it and grow in prayer. So thanks for being here today. Don't forget to stop by the table before you leave. There's information there that you may need, and uh, a lot of things are on that table. The offering baskets are there as well. God bless you as you go today.